cabinet up. Good enough to hold birds. Hello, and welcome to The More You Look, Up Close, a short, unscheduled stop on your behind-the-scenes journey into museum collections, research exhibits, and public programming. I'm Roger Topp, Director of Exhibits, Design, and Digital Media at the UA Museum of the North, and today's host. This morning, we are with Ornithology Collections Manager Jack Withrow, and interrupt him as he installs the latest edition of Changing Alaska, Changing Collections, near the entrance of the museum's main gallery. So I'm here with Jack Withrow, and we're installing a new temporary exhibit in the Changing Alaska, Changing Collections case. And this is on the Birds of Beringia? Yes, Birds of Beringia grew out of a synthesis paper that um, Kevin Winker and Dan Gibson and I worked on for, well, long before I was even here, decades and decades of work that uh, we have done and others have done on the Birds of Beringia and how Beringia shapes avian diversity in Alaska and uh, basically the North Pacific writ large. Yeah, and it's quite, uh, quite loud in the gallery at the moment. We've got school tours moving through, um, which is kind of nice. Maybe, maybe some of the folks can see what we just put in here. So what are the birds we're looking at in this case? Well, the, the big one is a emperor goose, which is endemic to Beringia. It nests on the YK Delta and parts of the Chukotka Peninsula and maybe the Seward Peninsula, and then spends its winter basically in the Aleutian Islands, but also gets uh, goes east to Kodiak Island. Um, it's one of the bigger, more charismatic endemics to basically Alaska or Beringia. Yeah. Um, the shorebird with the long bill is a bristle-thighed curlew. It's also endemic to Beringia, and as a nesting bird, it, it, it breeds only on the Seward Peninsula and Mulatto Hills in Alaska, and it spends its winter, um, like a lot of us wish we could, in the South Pacific. <laughs> it flies direct from Alaska to uh, islands in the South Pacific, uh, mostly south of Hawaii, so it makes a several thousand kilometer direct flight yeah. in the fall and then, then again in the spring. We have a great map here of uh, Beringia with Alaska and Chukotka on uh, either side. But of course, what the map doesn't show you is the huge expanse of Pacific Ocean to the south of this, where yes. all these birds go, or just a couple of these birds go. Maybe just the curlew. just the cur well in this display, just yeah. the curlew. Um, but there are uh, bar-tailed godwits, um, Arctic terns. There's a lot of birds that tra traverse the Pacific in one way or another yeah. from Alaska, mostly shorebirds, um, but there, there are a few others as well. And a lot of the birds, from that's a lot of the seabirds that nest in. Um, you know, around New Zealand and Australia come up here for our summer. Mm -hmm. And so they're kind of doing the same thing in reverse, using the um, uh, rich waters of the Aleutians in the North Pacific to come up and feed in the summer and then go back down yeah. for their breeding season. And there's an episode I'm, I'm talking with you and Kevin about birds in, in general. And one of the things we talk about in that episode, which will be airing here soon, is the difference between live mounts and study, study specimens, yes. and we have some song sparrows, which look to me like they're the latter case. Yes, the, the song sparrows and the uh, ptarmigan are, are scientific study scans. There's not a huge difference. The mounts obviously have been, uh, what, we've spent a little more time with them and give them <coughs> cotton eyeballs, or instead of cotton eyeballs, <laughs> they get glass eyeballs. Uh, they're wired up so that they can be in a little bit more lifelike position, whereas the scientific study skins are in a sort of stylized position on their back and they, they take up much less room in their trays that way. Uh, they don't roll around if you do them right. Um, so they're, they're, 
there's a lot of similarities in there, but there's a few diff few key differences. Um, right. They and don't. The, neither one of them needs any sort of preservative. They. they um, and the rock ptarmigans also study skin, so we've turned them over on their front, so we can see the. See their back. Yeah, yeah. Those are three distinct subspecies that occur in the Aleutians and the rest of Alaska. Um, there's a fair number of birds that show subspecific diversity within the Aleutians. Um, the Aleutians were a refuge, refugium back during the glacial cycles. Did you do most of this mounting? You and uh, I actually didn't do any of these. Um, Chris Dow, you know, who's a USGS biologist down in Anchorage, did the emperor goose, and then he uh, Henry Springer did the bristlethug curlew. Um, they were both done long ago for other purposes, and uh, we're repurposing them. Repurposing and the them. And the sooty skins, who knows, right? It could have been. Oh, well, I can tell you exactly who okay. prepped them and who collected them, but they'd have to look at the labels. <laughs> and, uh, we okay. have many preparators and many collectors in, represented in the collection, so you'd have to look at the labels. So there's an array of birds here. Um, what birds didn't you pick, and why these birds, and why not other birds? Well, there's. As we outline in the paper and some of the other stuff here, there's lots of things that are endemic to Alaska, but these are some of the more iconic ones. These are some of the subspecies that look more, not all subspecies are things that um, lend themselves away to an exhibit because they're subtle. The ptarmigan are less subtle than some. Right. Um, and the, the, the two mounts are just sort of classic endemic birds, the Beringia. So right. there are other things that we could have picked, but we also had the mounts of these. Some of it is practical and some of it is um, the desire to show the exactly what you want. There you go. The paper is accessible. You can you can go read the paper if you yes, so wish. Yes, it, it's a meta paper where you we've it's a survey of all of the all of the research that has been done on this system. And so while it doesn't necessarily present New data, it's a, I would call it a synthesis paper, I guess, about um, divergence in birds in this region of the world. An overview paper for which people can then dive into more detail in different areas? Exactly, exactly. I mean, it, it is technical, it has lots of lists, but it is, um, it does summarize the last hundred years of research on Beringian birds. I think one of the things we're real happy about this particular case is we were plan is to rotate it every few months yeah. um, with different collections showing either new research or new ideas that we haven't had a chance to put into a different exhibit. And so in this case, it's a great example of an exhibit which you did the layout for um, in the bird collection. You, you built the shelves. Yeah. And I think we just helped with uh, finding a good map for it. <laughs> yeah, and layout and printing it on, putting it on there. I mean, yeah, it's a collaborative effort. It's, yeah. The paper's collaborative. Everything about this is collaborative. But. It's wonderful, and it's, it's a really pretty case. Yeah. people get a chance to see it. It should be up at least in, into May, if not through May. Keep an eye on the case. I'm sure it will change. And it will something change. else interesting. It will change. In, uh, I mean, we're working with Mallory already about the genetics uh, yeah. Yeah. component. So. When it Thank comes you. back to us, we'll put something else bird-related in it. There's more birds in the collection, is there? Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> a few. Just well, a few. I was just listening to the interview we did with you and Kevin, and uh, one of the questions that came up from me there was like, what else do you want to put on exhibit? And one of the things um, I think Kevin said that we need to do more of is showing birds that birders want to see. Well, the, these two. These two? Okay. It's particularly that. I mean, depending on how... Um, 
Yeah, these two are both highly sought after. These are birders' um, birds. These are ones that you these come to two, Alaska yeah. to see. I, song sparrows, not so much. I mean, I, it depends on how interested you are. This song sparrow, and even to some extent this one, look nothing like the song sparrows you're going to see down in low 48. Yeah. Uh, and same with some of the ptarmigan, but I, I don't know if people spend a lot of money to go see different subspecies. It tends to be a, a species level tick that people are looking for. But Gosh, I, you gotta be real to each specific. their own. Yeah. I'm, I'm making generalizations there, but yeah, you know, it's, absolutely. Two of these are definitely birders. birders. All right, so we're already, already tackling some of that, which we thought we should uh, get into. All right. All right. Thank you very much, Jack. Appreciate your time. Yeah, anytime. Um, <laughs> There's no bird sitting right there, so painting Let's it out it. would be good. Okay. That was all like a coincidence, because that was just a spray paint. A very good coincidence. Alright, looks good. Nice. Everything came together. The More You Look is a production of the UA Museum of the North on the campus of the University of Alaska Fairbanks and the ancestral lands of the Dene people of the Lower Tanana River. UAMN illuminates the natural history and cultural heritage of Alaska and the North through collections, research, education, and partnerships, and by creating a singular museum experience that honors diverse knowledge and respect for the land and its peoples. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and share and rate the program. This helps other listeners discover more about not only the work of this museum, but quite possibly other museums in their neighborhoods. The more you look, the more you find.